great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom? such boundless grace. The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ. My living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Good to have you all here on this beautiful, sunny 
Thursday evening. Thank you all for praying for my father-in-law. He fell and broke his hip last night during the service and had surgery this afternoon, and he is recovering and seems to be doing well. Uh, so uh, we would appreciate your prayers to continue with that. Uh, so we also had little Winnie Bruley in the hospital last night when we got there. They kept her overnight, but uh, she is doing better. She was having some breathing issues, but sent home this morning. So praise the Lord for that. We're excited about the Lord doing those things. It is good to have you all here. Let's see what we have in the way of other announcements. If you're a first-time visitor, please stop by the, the uh, desk out there. We have a gift for you. We want to welcome you officially. If you're visiting online for the first time, sptnd.org slash contact. Let us know you're out there. It is always a great encouragement when you tell us that you're out there watching and paying attention to what God is doing here in this place. We have a revival this week. Did you know that? We're having a revival this week. And it has actually been turning into a revival this week. Wow, God has been doing a work. We asked at the beginning of the week if all of you would consider taking one, just one, spiritual step, one step toward Christ uh, in this week, that uh, if the whole church said, we're going to take that one step, how it would impact our church, our homes, our ministries, our society, our schools. Here's the other side of that equation. The Bible says, if we draw an eye unto him, oh, so immediately one step becomes at least two, right? Immediately, by God's promise. And if you've taken two, three, four steps this week, it just keeps becoming exponential. God is doing a work. And so if we just let him continue to do that work, come with our hearts tender and ready to listen to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, 6 o'clock tomorrow evening will be your last chance to eat a meal. We almost did it tonight. We made Miss Carol sweat tonight. She's not in here yet. She said, Pastor, I think I'm going to run out of food. She never runs out of food. She said, we, we made 150 baked potatoes, and we've got 10 minutes left, and the potatoes, we're down to like seven baked potatoes. And, okay, well, I don't know what to tell you. Praise the Lord. That's great. We're not, that's not a complaint, but... Uh, Anyway, so tomorrow night be your last chance to eat a meal here, and so we're looking forward to, uh, to that. Then uh, also, if, uh, kids, cl kids Club meets tonight, and then tomorrow night, last chance for Kids Club as well. Teenagers have the Cola Wars going. If you're looking over there and see a lot of red and blue, that's actually on purpose. So there's a red team and a blue team represented with the teens each night this week, and uh, they've been competing, so it's an exciting time for that. They'll finish that up tomorrow night with a pizza party. Lots of good things happening. And, of course, West Coast will be back tomorrow night as well. So we're looking forward to those. Shared with you the good news about Miss Judy yesterday. If you missed it, you missed it. You have to go back and watch it. I'm not going to tell you again. And uh, it was just a joy what God has done and what an exciting time. We get to take up an offering tonight and tomorrow night, our last opportunity tomorrow night, take up an offering. And all, all the offering that comes in goes to Brother Dave and his family. Keep them on the road serving the Lord. Uh, we challenge you to dig deep. Our goal is to exceed God's expectation. God's expectation is double honor. Right? Imagine what, what should be a, a weekly salary and the average of our church, and then double that. That's God's expectation. We want to exceed God's expectation. And uh, so dig deep and let's see, let the Lord uh, use us to let Brother Dave save that little church of 27 people. We'd like to have you, but we can't afford you. And Brother Dave can say, got you covered. We're coming. Wouldn't that be a joy? What a joy that is. So let's have the men come. We're going to take up an offering. Ah, Brother Dan, you're going to ask God's blessing on the offering, God's blessing on the service. And... Uh, 
whatever else the Lord brings to your heart. Thank you, Miss Hannah. What a great medley there, following Christ. We're able to follow him because he is our hope. We open with that. That's not just I hope something is going to happen, but it's an expectation, right? A confidence that God is who he is and will do what he says. We're going to praise him for that tonight. So if you would please stand if you're able and let's sing together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I cannot trust the sweetest 
song we'll sing tonight, My Hope is in the Lord, who gave himself for me. My hope is in the touch them with compassion 
to help them find their way. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach a world we've never touched? Could we be so busy being saved? Trying to impress a world that's long since lost its way. We pride ourselves in being set apart. Yet we don't take time to touch a broken heart. Even if we've found the time to care. Would we take the risk involved in always being there? Oh, we hold the thing they need so very much. Sometimes the Word of God can pass through just a simple touch. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach a world we never touch? We hide behind these walls and the security of friends. While beyond the stained glass windows, the world is lost in sin. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we show them Christ if we never show them love? Just to say we care will never be enough. How can we reach a world we never touch? How can we reach a world we never touch? That's a good question. That young man right there has a beautiful daughter. How many of y'all know that? And uh, yes, he does. I'm so happy you're here tonight. Take your copy of God's Word to the book of First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 tonight. It's been a lovely week, hasn't it? And uh, such a good crowd every night. I'm so delighted you all came tonight. And uh, thank you for being here one final night we have together in this revival campaign. And hope you'll make plans already to be here. And a couple things I want to remind you about our book table. A lot of you have already been by there. I haven't said anything about these books, so let me mention Harold Vaughn's book called The Power of Forgiveness. This is an excellent book. It's subtitled, How to Get Along with Everybody All the Time. And uh, that's a great title, don't you think? And a wonderful book. I had a lady years ago come by my table, and she picked up this book and looked at it and read that subtitle. And then she said, well, I don't want that one. I don't want to get along with everybody all the time. 
And, oh, really? So I gave her a copy, and I figured she needed it. But that's on the table. Here is a, a devotional. Uh, sometimes it's uh, hard to find a, a devotional, especially a newer one. But uh, this one is Oasis, Daily Refreshment for the, first, uh, for the Thirsty Soul. My friend Harold Vaughn put this together. And it's uh, one verse for every day of the year. One page and one verse for every day of the year. And then uh, the rest of the page are just quotes about the theme of that verse. And so really just a unique way to have devotions, but that has been a blessing in my life. I've enjoyed going through that several times. And then here's a book called Home Improvement. I spoke the other night about uh, we've got to uh, grow at home. Remember that? And so here's a book called Home Improvement, Keys to Building a Happy Home by Harold Vaughn and Dave Young. You guys ever heard of that last guy? And uh, that's a good book right there. Got my name on the cover. Don't you think that's just pretty cool? And it's got my picture on the back. It's worth the money, y'all. And uh, it's on the table. And we wrote it devotionally. It's about a thousand words each chapter. So the idea is read one chapter a day to have a devotional study for about a month to encourage you about your family, your home, and revival at home. And uh, so this is on the table. It's an easy read and uh, very, very simple, but we work diligently to make it very biblical. In fact, it's been said that everybody in America ought to read this little book. And I'm the one who said that. So it's on the table, and if you want to take advantage of it, I hope that you will. And uh, if we can serve you in some way there at the table, let me know afterwards. A couple of the things. My friend Brent Gellis is here tonight. How many of y'all know our brother Gellis? Anybody here? Evangelist Brent Gellis is my friend. Anytime you have two evangelists in the room, that means one of them is unemployed. And uh, so uh, he's not working tonight, but I am. And uh, brother, brother Brent traveled with us. I've known Brother Brent since he was a teenager, and I was just a young evangelist. And then he traveled with me and Bethley, and then he met Katie, and they got married, and they traveled with us for a while, and uh, helped us in music and children's revivals and things of that sort. And now they have six kids of their own and, and a great ministry, and one of the fine families of our generation, and one fine evangelist. And I'm just really thrilled that my friend Brent and Katie and their family are all here tonight. So thankful for that. But I'm happy you're here as well. So thank you for joining us tonight. Teens, are you happy to be here? Three of them are. We're happy about that. And uh, where's Elijah over there? Is it Elijah? And uh, y'all, Elijah, wave your hand real good and high. Elijah's on the blue team, and I have decided that he should get some points just for the hairdo. Don't y'all think? And uh, sit up there, Elijah, so they can all see you. Don't y'all think that deserves extra points? I, I mean, I was just thinking. I thought, you know what? If I'm in blue team charge, I'd give him at least a point or two. Don't y'all think? And I was just thinking, Pastor would look good with a hairdo like that, wouldn't he? And uh, <laughs> make you taller, Pastor. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Elijah, for being here tonight, and all of you teens, we're happy you're here. You ready for God's Word? All right, First Peter chapter 4 tonight, First Peter chapter 4, find verse 7. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says these words, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, 
as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well doing, as unto a faithful creator. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word. We're studying a theme this week in our revival. And the theme is one word. What's that word, church? Thrive. Peter is telling us we live in a world of suffering. Sometimes we suffer in this world because of persecution. It's not uncommon. It's a little uncommon for us as believers in the USA. But there are many people in the world today who are suffering because they name the name of Christ. There are people who, who don't make a good living because they are believers. There are people who don't have a home because they're believers. There are some who are in prison because they are believers, suffering sometimes as a result of persecution, sometimes it's simply the result of living in a sin-cursed world. You all know about that one, don't you? We have disease and death and difficulties and challenges and trials and problems and issues. How many of you all know that God is a good God? You all know that? God is a good God, isn't He? And, and because God is good, God never intended His world to be a place of pain and sorrow and tragedy and heartache and disease and death. God, God was not the author of evil. That was not God's intention. He made a world in absolute perfection. But you know the story, don't you? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and help me out here, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men because all have sinned. So we live in a sin-cursed world. Suffering is normal. And here's why Peter wrote this book. He wrote it to believers who were suffering. And he wrote to these believers to say to them, God doesn't want you just to survive. God wants you to thrive. It's not an accident we live where we live. It's not an accident all that's happening in our world today. God knows what's going on. You all know that, don't you? He's bigger. He's bigger than all the issues politically, economically, uh, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever issue you want to raise. God's bigger than all of that. And God left us here on purpose. So we would not just survive. What's our word again? God wants us to thrive. So how do you do that, Peter says? Well, here's how you do it. Number one, he says, there's things you've got to know. Start with knowing. You've got to go back to Sunday to get that sermon. You've got to know. You've got to know who God is. And Sunday night, you've got to know what you have and what, first, or, or what Peter says in chapter 1. You've got to know what you've got to do. So you've got to start with knowing. And then Monday and Tuesday, remember that? Y'all slept since then, but you remember Monday and Tuesday? You've got to grow. You've got to grow in holiness. You've got to grow in honor. And so you've got to grow at home. That was Tuesday night. Last night we said, Here, here's how you thrive in a world like ours. You've got to sow. You've got to sow. Tonight, I've got a new word for you. 
What he's trying to tell us in this passage is that if we're going to thrive in this world of sorrow and suffering, here's what we've got to do. We've got to glow. We've got to glow spiritually. Glowing is pretty cool, isn't it? We have a dog, and our dog is Peyton, named after Peyton Manning. And our golden retriever has a ball in our RV, and, and the Charity really likes that ball. She's fascinated by it because it glows. So she's always getting a, a flashlight and putting that flashlight on the ball. Today, she took it outside and put it out in the sun so it would absorb the sun, so it would glow brighter. Glowing is just, just always something cool, isn't it? Uh, we're always fascinated by that. Uh, it was, um, let me see if I can find this illustration. It was Vance Havner who said, uh, too much of our orthodoxy is correct and sound, but like words without a tune, it's a, it does not glow and burn. It does not stir the heart. It's lost its hallelujah. One man with a genuine glowing experience with God is worth a library full of arguments. That was Vance Havner. You know, if you're going to thrive, you've got to glow. Did you know that? You've got to be alive. You've got to be on fire. You've got to be red hot happy for Jesus Christ. Teens, God doesn't want you just to survive. He wants you to glow spiritually in this dark world so you can thrive. Moms and dads, you believe that, don't you? The church has to glow with the love of Christ and, and with the power of Christ. I uh, was doing a little research today on this subject of glowing, just looking at illustrations and uh, I came across this one from World in 2006, entitled Quick Takes. Just a short little report they threw into their writing. And they said, this was July the 3rd, 2006. While preparing for a cookout on July the 3rd, 2006, a Delaware man decided to use gunpowder rather than lighter fluid to get the coals glowing in his, gr in his grill. He decided to use gunpowder rather than lighter fluid to get the charcoal started. wonder how that worked out. The report said the unorthodox fire preparation method blew up on him and he suffered burns on his hands and his face. The police said the man had been drinking. And I read that and I thought, well, I would have assumed that, wouldn't you? Now, God doesn't want us to fake it. God doesn't want us to, uh, just to work it up. But God does expect me and you to glow spiritually so we can thrive in this world. If your Bible is still open, notice, if you would please, in this passage, he lays out for us four ways we're supposed to glow. The first one you'll find in verse 8 of chapter 4. He says in verse 8, and above all things have what? Fervent charity. Now, you've got you to gotta feel the word. Y'all Baptists, how many Baptists we have in the room? If you're a Baptist, raise your head. Now, Baptists don't feel nothing, do they? That's just how Baptists are. But I want you to feel this word tonight. I want you to feel this word tonight. I want you to say that word with me with feeling. This word is fervent. You've got to feel the word to get the heart of it. Y'all with me on this? Are y'all ready? Y'all re Teens, you ready? You've got to feel the word. So let's, uh, let's all feel the word. You ready? Here we go. Everybody together. It is fervent. Well, you guys are pretty good for Thursday night. It's a fervent, it's fervent charity, fervent love. Can you see the idea of glowing in verse 8? Above all things have fervent love, charity among yourself. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. How do you glow spiritually? You glow spiritually not just with love, but fervent love. See, it's not enough to say, I love the Lord. No, no, no. The Bible says you're to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Jesus added to it with all your strength. See, that's fervent, isn't it? God doesn't want you just going through the motions. How many of y'all knew that? 
God doesn't want us to, you know, drag into church. I have a good pastor friend, and pastor recently, he harassed me as an evangelist, and uh, he's, he's a Southern Baptist, he's my buddy, and uh, so my Southern Baptist pastor friend said to me, he said, you know, he said, I know how you evangelists are, he said, you blow in, blow up, and blow out, can you believe he said that to me? He said, I know how you evangelists are, now we're friends. He said, uh, I know how you evangelists are. He said, you blow in, blow up, and blow out. And I said, well, that's better than some of you pastors who drag in, drag on, drag down. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, touche, all right, fine. fine. But you know, the fact of the matter is, there, there's no doubt about it. We ought to be red hot in love with God, and we ought to love one another. And the Bible describes it here as something fervent. Does that describe your life? Are you glowing with love? For the Lord and, and, and for others. Are you glowing with the love of God in your life? Are you just religious? Are you just showing up in church? And, and you know, of course, uh, you know, after you've been saved a while, you have a lot of opinions, don't you? After you've been saved a while, you have a lot of opinions, don't you? Because after you've been saved a while, you know, what ought to, you know how it ought to be. Am I right or wrong? You know how it ought to be because you've been saved long enough to know. And if you're not careful, that can make you have a cold heart. Or you can come to church and evaluate the music instead of enjoying it. Is that fair to say? If you're not careful, you can come to church and evaluate it. Well, you know, I didn't like that. They, they wore those little bow ties tonight. You, know, you can find all kinds of things to complain about, can't you? But God didn't call us to evaluate. God called us to be red hot, fervent charity, one for another and for Him. Are you in love with the Lord like that? Are you on fire for God tonight? Glowing with the love of God in your life? Jesus said, by this, by this shall all men know you are my disciples. How are you going to know that we're the disciples of Jesus? Well, here's what Jesus said. This is the way you'll know. He said, if you carry the biggest King James Bible in the building, that's how the world will know. Well, I, I've got a pretty good size one, don't I? But that's not what he said. What did Jesus say? <laughs> it probably is, knowing you. Um, but but here, here's the point, isn't it? Here's the point. Jesus isn't, isn't saying there, this is how the world is going to know I'm a Christian. This, 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 it's, not, it's not the size of my Bible or the list of my standards or, or the list of my accomplishments. It's whether or not I have fervent charity in my life for other people. I'm to glow with the love of God. That will show up in your worship. When you come to church and you just worship. Hadn't the music been amazing this week? Hadn't the singing been incredible? I mean... What a, what a great thing. But don't just go through the motions. Sing with all your heart because you love the Lord. We're to have fervent charity. And I like that word fervent. I like that word because he doesn't just say have love. He says here, you have fervent charity, fervent love. I suppose all of us know about, you know, just mundane, ordinary, no big deal love, don't we? I mean, I guess we all do. Some people, remember the day you got married? How remember that day? Remember that day? How many of y'all are married? How many of y'all are married? Remember when you got married? Well, do you? Do y'all remember when you got married? And remember that day? It was a great day, wasn't it? Wasn't that a great day when you got married? Remember that day? And uh, wouldn't it be weird if you graded your, your, you know, your vows? Like on a scale of 1 to 10, do you take her to be your, you know? Well, we don't grade that because the assumption is they're in love. That'd be kind of weird anyway, wouldn't it? Do you take him to be your husband? Eh, six. See, that wouldn't make any sense, would it? Because it's either fervent or it's not. Does that, does that make sense? You're either all in or you're not. Here's what the Bible is trying to say. I ought to be all in with my love for those in the church. 
I ought to have fervent love for my brothers and sisters. You know why? Because this is a hard world. The point of the text is we live in a world of suffering. There's a lot of problems in this world. You've got a lot of brothers and sisters in the church carrying burdens and, and, and going through issues we would never know about. So let's not tear down. Let's not be critical. Let's not come in and, and uh, fuss over little things that we could get over and be okay. Let's come in and love one another fervently. 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 Don't, you, don't you always find it great when you're around a couple that are fervently in love? I mean, I guess you can be boring in your love, but why bother with that? Teens, if you're ever going to get married, you might as well be all in. Guys, when you get married and you say, I do, mean it and enjoy it. Flirt up a storm. When you're married, you have a right to. Help me out, church. That's right. See, it's fervent love. Charity today. I, I was just being a good husband. Today, I kissed her mom in our living room in the RV. And it was a good kiss. I mean, you're married, might as well make it good. I read somewhere that every married couple ought to have a 15-second kiss every day at least once. <laughs> we want to hear more about that later, don't we? Uh, one 15-second kiss will change your life. I just given my wife a kiss today. And Charity ran for the exit of the RV. Can you all believe that? I'm out of here. I'm out of here. See, you know what fervent love looks like, don't you? Do you have a fervent love for the Lord and for brothers and sisters in Christ? God has a fervent love for us, doesn't He? My dear friend, can I tell you tonight, this is a messed up dark world full of sin and sorrow and tragedy. But it's still true that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, anybody, Whosoever believeth in him, anybody, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves us fervently. Jesus went to Gethsemane and struggling in prayer, sweat, drops of blood. They beat him severely some hours later, put a crown of thorns on his head, and mocked him and ridiculed him and stripped him naked and nailed him to a cross. Why? Because God's love for us is fervent. Man, He cares about us. What's He doing on that cross? Dying for the sins of the whole world. The whole world, the Bible says. Everybody in the world, Jesus is dying for their sins. Bearing in His body on the tree the whole sins of the whole world. Why? Because He loves us. He knows our sins. He knows our failures. He knows that we can't go to heaven. We are so sinful. And we just, we're like, our sins are like a river, aren't they? And, and the more they flow, the more they, the faster they get. And we're just sinners, all of us. And are you not overwhelmed tonight by the fact that God Almighty fervently loves sinners like us? We're to fervently love one another in the same way. That's how you glow. That's how you thrive in this world. You've got to glow with love. I've got to hasten. Look at, look at the second one. It's in the next verse. Verse 8 says you've got to glow with love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbors yourself. Love each other. Love when everything is wrong. Love people who need to be saved. Love is essential to Christianity. And fervent love is how you glow. Verse 8 says this is how you glow spiritually. Uh, verse 8 says you, you do it with love. Verse 9 says you do it with hospitality. Isn't that interesting? 
How do you you glow in a world like ours, spiritually, and thrive? Well, verse 9 says, you use hospitality one to another without grudging. In other words, we're to care for one another. This idea of hospitality even has the idea, we're to eat with one another. That's hospitality. Do you remember Jesus? Jesus Jesus ate with sinners. Do you remember that? I always love when I read the Bible. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. You ever read that? Not Republican. That's a different word. Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. Y'all remember that? Why? Because he was hospitable. It was a way for him to talk to them, to minister to them, to eat with them. Use hospitality. You, you care for one another. Jesus ate with sinners as a way to talk with them about spiritual truths. Jesus ate with Peter after his resurrection as a way to encourage him, even though he had failed miserably at Jesus' trial, Jesus ate with him to encourage him. Jesus ate with his disciples to institute the Lord's table, our communion service. We have hospitality. That's how you glow spiritually. How many of you have noticed that we're living in a world that's incredibly busy and we don't have time for each other? And what the Bible is letting us know right here is if you're going to thrive in a world like ours, you've got to slow down long enough to touch people's lives. What a great song to to go along with my message tonight. How can we impact a world we never touch? And Bible says we've got to use hospitality without grudging. Not be bothered. Not like, oh my goodness, we're going to have people over again. No, he said, said, without, without grudging. In other words, I ought to just love eating with people and serving people and, and reaching out to people. We live on a street that has 22 neighbors on our street. There's 22 of them. Not 22 houses, but 22 neighbors on our dead-end street. And at least once a year, we open our house and invite the whole neighborhood to our house. And we just sit and talk and, and visit and, and, and eat together. Well, that little hospitality has opened the door for us to have so many opportunities to minister to our neighbors, to pray with them, to encourage them. Our neighbor across the street from us, they, uh, she's in heaven now. She, she passed away, and, and uh, she, her you know, mind began to go later. And uh, Several times he had run across the street, can you help me? We were able to minister to them and as they went through trials and challenges. I told you the other night about the neighbors on this side. When their cat died, I got to pray with them over their cat. Because we just use hospitality. I'll, I'll pray with somebody over their cat as a way to minister to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you do that? And it's just ministry. It's serving them and loving on them, praying for them. I know it takes a lot of work and life's busy and sometimes it takes money. But the Bible says we're to use hospitality. That's glowing. Glowing spiritually. See, well, I, I, don't, I don't have much. I know a lady in Bozeman, Montana... Bozeman, Montana, she was a missionary, she and her husband, he died, she had to come home. She's way on up in years now, she's feeble, she's got one little, one bedroom apartment with a tiny little kitchen, tiny little dining room, and a tiny, just this tiny, tiny little apartment she lives in. But at least once a week, that little old widow lady has people in her home for a meal. There's a little Bible college in that town, a little Bible college, and I don't know a lot about that Bible college, but I've met some of the students that go to that Bible college, and every student in that Bible college has had a meal at her table. And, and, and she, she, you know, she doesn't have a lot of money. She's a widow lady. 
And her husband was a missionary. She didn't have a, but she takes everything she has to be hospitable. And it is amazing the ministry that lady has because of hospitality. You know what she would say about her? She's glowing. She's glowing with hospitality. She's thriving in her older years through hospitality. Is this as practical as you can get or what? You got, how do you glow spiritually in a world like ours? Well, number one, you got to do it with love. Isn't that the point of verse 8? Y'all see that or not? Y'all see that in verse 8? And in verse 9, you do it with hospitality. Well, then look here at these next few verses. You do it with ministry. How do I glow spiritually so I can thrive in this dark world? I do it with love. I do it with hospitality. And I do it with ministry. Look at verse 10. As every man, every man now, catch that. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. How many of you know this? All of us who are saved have a ministry. How many of y'all know that? Teenagers, are you saved? Then God wants you to have a ministry where you serve. Where you are actively doing something for Christ. All of us are to have a ministry. Uh, Our salvation says so. We've received the gift, haven't we? So our salvation says we have a ministry. Our spiritual gifts say we have a ministry. How many of you all know that everybody in this room who is a child of God has a spiritual gift given to you by God because God wants you to use your spiritual gift so that you can serve others in the church. Are you all 'all aware of that? All of us have a spiritual gift, so serve God with it. Uh, The Scriptures say so. I read these verses. Let me just go into them quickly. Romans 12 and verse 10 says that in honor we are to prefer one another. Romans 13 verse 8 says, we're not to owe any man anything but to love one another. Romans 14 verse 19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Romans 15 verse 7 says, we're to receive one another. Romans 15 verse 14 says, you're to admonish one another. Galatians 5, and verse, thir- uh, uh, Galatians 5 verse 13 says, by love we're to serve one another. Galatians 6 and verse 3 says we're to bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4 and verse 2 says we're to forbear one another in love. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says we're to be kind one to another. Colossians 3.16 says we're to teach and admonish one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says we're to edify one another. Hebrews 3.13 says we're to exhort one another every day. James 5.16 says we're to pray for one another. Our text says we're to have fervent love for one another. We're to use hospitality one for another. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says we're to love one another with a pure heart. And here in chapter 4 verse 10, we're to minister to one another. Everybody in the church ought to glow with ministry. You say, well, Dave, what could I do? Well, think of all these. Number one, you could give. How many of y'all know that giving is a ministry? You can give. You may not have a lot, but anybody can give. God teaches proportionate giving. You know that RV I have out here in the parking lot? A millionaire gave us an incredible good deal on that, basically gave it to us for pennies on the dollar. We could have never bought that. And God's people helped us to buy that. God's people were so kind to us. And, and when I asked people to pray with me about it, people started giving, and we were able to buy that without going into debt. God was so good to us. There was a man I know that sent me a check to buy that RV. He sent me a check for $15,000. And I was just stunned. I I wish I could write somebody a check for $15,000. Wouldn't that be awesome? And he did. And he, I, mean, I was just stunned. The guy gave me $15,000 to help me buy that. Well, there was a missionary family in Honduras. A missionary family in Honduras. 
They are out of our home church. We're not real close, but we're friends. We've known them a long time. They listen to our podcast, and they pray for us every day. It's part of their family. They pray for the Youngs, our ministry. And he knew we were looking at RV. Here's a family living in a third-world country in Honduras. And he sent me an email and said, Our family wants to help you buy that RV. We're going to send you $500. Can you imagine that? A family in Honduras, serve the Lord, ministering to me in their giving. You know what? They sent me a check, but it wasn't for $500. It was for $501. Well, now, I do weird things like that. Like if you send me a graduation card and I'm going to write you a check, I'm going to write you a check for $27.13. And the reason I do that, a friend of mine, I wrote him, he got married, and I wrote him a check for $27.13 for his wedding. I didn't have a lot of money, but I wanted to, you know, send him a gift. So I sent him $27.13. Like, like, you know, 12 months after he'd been married, he called me one day. He said, all right, I give up. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, what in the world is 2713? He said, I've read every passage in the Bible, Proverbs 27, 13, Genesis 27, 13. And for the life of me, I can't figure this out. And I said, well, it doesn't mean anything at all, except I just wanted you to remember that I gave you a gift. Now, that'll preach, won't it? They'll write that down. That'll encourage somebody. So I thought maybe my friend knew my story. He wrote me a $501 check. And so I emailed him. I didn't wait a whole year. I emailed him right away. I said, hey, I got this check, and I'm just curious about the $1. Oh, he said, Brother Dave, I've been meaning to email you about that. He said, our little girl knows that we pray for you guys every night down here in Honduras. And he said, we said to the family that we're going to send $500 to the youngs. We've got an extra 500 bucks. you want to send to them to help them have an RV to live in on the road when they're doing revivals. And he said, after we went to bed, our little girl came in. She said, hey, Mom and Dad, I want to give my money to the youngs, too. And she gave me her dollar bill that she had. Now you think about that. Who do you suppose gave the most? That man who wrote me a $15,000 check? Or that little girl who wrote me a dollar from Honduras? You know, on the side of God, it was that little girl. I know my brother that wrote me that check for $15,000. I mean, I know. That, that, that was nothing to him. I, I know him. I appreciate it. Thank God for him. I... He wants to write another one. <laughs> Just in case he's watching. But but see, I, but it wasn't a real sacrifice to him, though it meant the world to me. Help me buy that RV out there. But in the sight of God, the one who was serving and ministering, the most was that little girl. So you can serve God in your giving. Glow with that. The Bible says be a cheerful giver. You read that in your Bible? Just give happily. Isn't this great? I get to give. I read this story about this, uh, these two men that were stranded on this island. And uh, one was frantic, beside himself with worry. And the other was a perfect picture of calm. And finally, the one guy, he couldn't handle it. He finally said, how in the world can you be so calm at a time like this? We're going to die out here on this deserted island. And the guy said, oh, he said, simmer down. He said, I make $100,000 a week and I tithe. My pastor will find us. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet he's on the way now, right now. I thought, that's good, isn't it? You may not be able to tithe on $100,000 a week, but giving is serving the Lord. You can teach in that ministry. You can teach some of your good teachers. Teach the kids. Teach your grandkids. Teach in the church. 
you say, well, I don't, I don't know, I, I'm awfully busy. Well, well, open your home up and have a Bible study and teach the ladies in your, your neighborhood. Teach some brothers on your job over a lunch break once or twice a week. Uh, we can give, we can teach, we can help. This is, this is ministering, the gift God has given to us. The same one to another. We're to, we're to serve each other by our giving, by our teaching. By our, we can bear burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We can encourage each other. Sister Sands was a lady I met in Tennessee when I was a teenager. As a new convert, I'd go to church in those days in blue jeans and a t-shirt. That's all I had. I went in one night, sat on this side of the building, looked over there, and there's Mrs. Sands, elderly widow lady. And I don't even know, I wasn't trying to be spiritual. I don't even know really why I did it. I just remember I did it. I got up, I went over, introduced myself to her, and sat and talked to her a while. I was at church early, and she was, so we just talked. And over the coming couple of years, most services would find me chatting with Mrs. Sands for a few moments. I found out about, you know, when she got saved in most conversations and how long she'd been a member of that church about when her husband died. I never went to her house. Never took her out to eat. Just ministered to her and shared burdens with her at church. I was a teenager in a public school ministering to a widow lady in the church just a few moments before services. I served her and I accidentally discovered ministry. I accidentally... I wasn't trying to be ministry-minded. I was just talking to a lady... But I accidentally discovered ministry. We talked, we listened, we smiled, we laughed. And then I went to Bible college. And when I was at Pensacola Christian College, that lady wrote me a letter every week. Every week. Got a letter from her every week. She is the first person I remember ever calling me Brother Dave. And she had wrote me a letter, and, and she wrote in cursive, beautiful cursive, but she had arthritis, and her, her hands, you know, were hard to hold that pen. But she always wrote cursive, and you could tell it was a little hard for her to write. So it was really brief, but she'd always write this. I'd, I'd get a letter, and I'd open it. She'd say, Dear Brother Dave, I'm praying for you. I don't know how many times I read that. Dear Brother Dave, I'm praying for you. And then she would say this. She'd say, This week, all I had left was, and she'd say like this, This week, Brother Dave, all I had left was $3, and I wanted you to have it. She had put three $1 bills in my little envelope. Sometimes she'd have $5 and she'd me five $1 bills. I never got more than five $1 bills from that little lady. Usually it was three or four, occasionally five. But you know what? That little lady, just because I accidentally discovered ministry, boy, did she minister me when I was in college. I did laundry because of her. <laughs> That'll preach, won't it? Praise God. See, just ministry works. Are you with me or not? Ministry works. What's the Bible saying here? We're not just to go through the motions. We're to be alive. We're to serve the Lord with love and with hospitality and with ministry. You're to serve. You're to minister. You can give. You can teach. You can help. You can bear burdens. You can encourage others. You can be soul winners. Carry tracks with you. That's ministering. Carry tracks. You know who gives out tracks? Those who have them. And if you don't have any, you won't use them. Use meals. Invite people over so you can be a soul winner. Bethlehem's sister is married to Jamie, and Jamie's dad was as lost as lost could be. But Bethlehem's dad invited Jamie's dad to his home one night for pizza, and I was there. Mr. Overton almost didn't come. 
In fact, he actually said he wasn't coming. He, he smoked pretty heavily, and you know, and, and, and all of us in the family are preachers. And if I'd have been him, I wouldn't have wanted to come either. Every, all the other guys are preachers, and he's not, he's not even a believer. He's, you know, this truck driver, unsaved man. And we're all a bunch of preachers. But Dad Dennis wouldn't have a Bethlehem. Daddy wouldn't have another. No, he said, your grandkids will be there and mine. And, and he said, just come on over. Come just like you are. He said, I'm going to go home change and get out of his suit. We'll just have a good night. We'll just eat some good food together and talk. And sitting at that table that evening, kids are playing. We had a, there's about 11 kids running around the house under, you know, 12. And it was loud and busy and everybody's there. Well, the next thing I knew, Bethlehem's dad and Mr. Overton are talking about the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And before that evening came to an end, that man at a kitchen table had been born again. See, you've got to glow. Church, don't just go through the motions. Thrive! Don't just, don't just go to church and sit. Thrive! Glow with love! Glow with hospitality! Glow with ministry. God's called you to that. I'm out of time. Just in a moment here. There's one more word I've got to show you. Though I've got to show you one more word. One more word here. In the text, how do you glow spiritually and thrive in a world like ours? Well, this passage says you do it in verse 8 with fervent charity, in verse 9 with hospitality, in verse 10 with ministry. But look at verse 12 and catch this word. Look, Catch this word. He says, uh, look now, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but, verse 13 says, you ready? But do what? Rejoice. Here's how you do it. You do it with joy. How do I glow spiritually? I rejoice in the darkness of this world. Let me ask you something, brothers and sisters. Can life be hard? Is this a dark world? Can you be down and discouraged and, and struggle and have health issues and, and at times, you know, wish you were more, you know, spiritual than you are? All of us are in this sanctification process and sometimes we're better than other times, but all of us ought to glow with the joy of the Lord. Yes, there are strange, fiery trials out there, but he says here, don't think them as strange, think them as normal. Don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Instead of saying, wow, this is really strange, what shall to say is, well, this is really normal. It's really normal. Kids, when the hard times comes in your life, here, here's what you do about those hard times. You just say it out loud. You say, well, this is just normal. This is normal living in a sin-cursed world like this. This is normal, but how do you respond to it? With joy. How many of y'all know that the world, the world wants to make you believe that there's no hope, but the God of heaven wants you to know you have a home in heaven in a land that is fairer than day. You can rejoice about that, can't you? So get the joy of the Lord in your life. Rejoice, he says. Rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad, I like that word, glad, with exceeding joy. Did you, did you notice he just doesn't say joy like he doesn't say, he doesn't just say charity in verse 8. He says fervent charity and he doesn't just say joy in verse 13. He says exceeding joy. And he adds to that in verse 14. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Happy are ye. Now how do you explain that? How do you face the darkness of this world with happiness, with joy? Well, that's not something you work up. But the God of heaven is real, isn't he? 
you have the Holy Spirit, don't you? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love. Joy. Let God fill you so you can glow with joy. How long has it been since you were a real, genuine, happy believer? I mean, you know, with a, I got the joy, joy, joy. How long has that been? How long has that been? I've got a river of life flowing. How long has that been? Since you had joy. The Bible closes this section here. And what he says is, you know why you have to glow spiritually? Because you do live in a world that's hard. You do live in a world of suffering. And listen to me, brothers and sisters. He wants you to know something as he comes to the end of chapter 4. As a believer, if you're going to do right, you're going to serve God and walk with God in a world like ours, there's a good chance persecution will come your way. Just like Jesus suffered, we may suffer. Just like the believers to whom Peter's writing in Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia, who are being persecuted because they are serving God, we may be persecuted because we are serving God. The point he's making is, what do you do in the midst of that? Well, what you do is you glow with love. You glow with hospitality. You glow with ministry. You glow with joy. Many of you have heard the name John Huss. John Huss was the most famous leader of the Czech Reformation of the 15th century. We would say on this side of his life that he was a forerunner of the Protestant Reformation. In the 15th century, he pastored Prague's Bethlehem Church with an average attendance of 3,000 every service. John Huss was known for teaching the Bible in the language of the people. He was a brilliant theologian. His church became known for two things. They became known for teaching the Word of God and for singing. They were called the Singing Church. John Huss's church was alive. The Bible was taught. Thousands gathered to hear the Word of God and to sing songs about the faith. On July the 6th of 1415, John Huss was condemned as a heretic by the Catholic Church. He was known for honoring women, believing they had more rights biblically than the church gave to them. He stood against the sale of indulgences, believing that only personal repentance and faith in Jesus brought salvation. But because he was condemned as a heretic, he was arrested and imprisoned and mistreated. Sick and physically wasted by long imprisonment, illness, and lack of sleep, Huss protested his innocence and refused to renounce his alleged errors unless, in his words, he could be shown otherwise from Scripture itself. To the council who examined him, he said these words, I would not for a chapel full of gold recede from the truth. He was formally condemned. He was handed over to the secular authorities to be burned at the stake on July the 6th of 1415. As he marched to the place of execution, he passed a churchyard where there were bonfires 
of his own books. He laughed. He told the bystanders not to believe the lies that were being circulated about him. He arrived at the place of execution and was once again asked by the empire's marshal if he would retract his views of the gospel. And here were his words. God is my witness that the evidence against me is false. I have never thought nor preached except with the one intention of winning men, if possible, from their sins. For that crime today, I will gladly die. The fire was lit as the flames engulfed him, burning him alive. He sang a Latin song. It was a chant, really. And in our language, we would have sung it something like this. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. As he literally was burned alive for preaching the gospel. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. How do you die like that? Because you're glowing with the love of God. With the joy of God. And I come to this church tonight to say to you, brothers and sisters, this is not an hour to be so down and discouraged that we live in a world that seems to be falling apart on every turn and every way. This is an hour to thrive. I call you teenagers tonight. To get all in for God. To glow spiritually in this dark world. Put God first and do right and walk with God and honor God. Glow spiritually so you can thrive in this dark world. I call on you moms and dads tonight. Get all in for God. Glow spiritually in these days with love and with hospitality and with ministry and with joy. I call on you older folks. Get all in for God. Glow with the love of God and with hospitality and with ministry. Glow! That's how you live in a sin-cursed, falling-apart world. You thrive. And what you find out is that the God of heaven is real. And if God be for you, who can be against you? I don't want persecution to come. I love freedom. I love religious freedom. But if our world continues in the direction it's headed and our Savior does not return in our lifetime, we very well may face persecution. But don't be afraid. Thrive. If they can burn John Huss at the stake and he can die while being burned alive, singing with joy, Brothers and sisters, we have nothing to fear. Nothing at all. God is real. God is good. And God wants us to thrive. Amen. As I come to the end of my sermon tonight, do you have that kind of faith? How can a John Huss die for the gospel? Because the gospel changed his life. 
John Huss was born again through Jesus Christ. The one who died was buried and was raised from the dead. Well, if you're in our service tonight and you've never met Jesus Christ and been born again, He's a wonderful Savior. And in the darkness of this world, you need Him. Believe on Him. Turn to Him. Call on Him. Let us help you tonight to know you're on your way to heaven before you leave this building. Let's stand together, shall we? Heads about eyes are closed. Thanks for listening to God's Word. Our heads about eyes are closed. I love these verses. These final verses say, Let judgment begin at the church house. Let judgment begin. So let's do it tonight. Let's judge ourselves. God, am I, um, am I loving fervently? Am I hosp- using hospitality? Am I ministering the way I should? Am I full of joy, God? Am I glowing spiritually? How many of you would say, Dave, God's speaking to me tonight. I, I feel like I need to glow spiritually more than I am. Let me see your hands tonight. How many of you would say that's true in your life? I need to glow spiritually. Oh, may the Lord help all of you. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Pray about it. Let judgment begin at the church house. Pray about it before we go tonight. Pray about it. You can kneel at the altar if you want. You can pray at your seat. You can be seated, you can stand, you can raise your hands, but would you pray? Is there anybody in the service who would say, Dave, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that I am. I don't know this Jesus who gave that kind of life and joy. I don't know this Jesus. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. Lift your hand if that's you and let me pray for you. Can I at least pray for you? Don't know I'm going to heaven. Pray for me. Son, God bless you. I'm praying for you. I already have been. God bless you, son. Me either, Dave. I don't know either. And pray for me. I don't know that kind of God. Not sure I'm going to. Anybody else? Anybody else? My wife's going to play the hymn while we pray. Would you like anybody to pray with you about that, son? Would you like that? If pastor would pray with you, would that be something you'd let him do? Nobody knows but me and you. If I, if I, if you'd pray with somebody, wouldn't you? Would you, pastor, brother Andrew? Would you, would you help this young man right here? Just right here in the middle aisle. Just let him at least pray with you about it. Encourage you some. Brother Andrew will come. He's youth pastor. Come on, Brother Andrew, right here. And just just shake his hand there, son. He's coming down the aisle. Just let him pray with you about it. Just right there, son. Yeah. Let, let him pray with you. Teenagers, you pray tonight. Be all in for God. Glow spiritually. Let's pray about it. Let's be all in for God. Let's glow spiritually. Let's glow spiritually. Let's be all in with love and hospitality. Would you say a word of prayer for the this one young man? He may be saved and just not know it, but he may need to be saved as well. So would you pray for him? Pastor Andrews, praying with him. A few others are praying. Give them a few moments. And teens will get to our event.
this a great song? I love thee. My Jesus, I love thee. Make sure you tell him that right now, would you? Just in the closing notes of this song, let Jesus know you love him. And that you want to be all in. Follow him with all of your heart. Thank you so much for listening to God's word tonight. Go home, meditate on these verses. And Lord willing, tomorrow night we'll look at one more truth in the book of 1 Peter. And I'm so excited we've had these few days together. Teens, I know, are ready and excited. I'm looking forward to that as well this evening. God bless you. Our pastor is going to close us. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dave. What a joy it is. Be back tomorrow night. Bring somebody with you. Last opportunity. Looking forward to closing out the service. You've been so faithful. Look at the crowd. Been good crowds all week long. We appreciate that. Evangelist Brent Gallus, as you've already heard, is a friend of Dave Young's, but he's also going to be speaking here uh, in the fall. Looking forward to that. Brother, if you come up and dismiss us in prayer, then the teenagers can head out. Let's pray. Father, would you help us as a church to glorify you in everything? Would our lives exemplify love? Would we face the suffering, the trials, the difficulties that you've placed there with joy? And would you help those who may be uncertain of their future? Would you help those who have lifted their hand or indicated that they're not sure that they're saved? Would you help them understand the gospel? And would you give opportunity for men and women here in this church to explain that to them? Lord, we love you. We need you. Thank you for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.